Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. no one's demand but our own from overcast scenic quarantine elizabeth park nashville tennessee it is the 615 sessions podcast powered by two rivers ford and brought to you as always by a to z sports and a to z sports nashville.com buck rising back with you for another week of episodes this one featuring our friend paul kaharski of 104.5 the zone and joe Rexroad. From The Athletic, we have a lot to discuss. Before we get to any of the Titans conversation, because it's going to be super Titans heavy today with everything going on defensively, their first loss, Stephon Gilmore, should they trade for him, all of it ahead on the podcast, as well as five good minutes at the end of the show. I first have to tell you about the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. The Drive the Music Nashville initiative, still ongoing, You can go to drivethemusicnashville.com. You can purchase a $30 t-shirt, the cost of what it would be to get a ticket to go to a show at one of the great local independent music venues that they are trying to support. That's what the Drive the Music Nashville initiative is all about. Third and Lindsley, Cannery Ballroom, Listening Room Cafe, Bluebird Cafe, all of these great places, many of them, are in dire need right now with the tornado and everything that COVID-19 has done, you know, to, to the economy, but most importantly, to live events for this particular reason. And because Two Rivers Ford is about supporting the local community and keeping the music alive in the 615, you can help them help local independent music venues here in Nashville at drivethemusicnashville.com. Let's get to Kaharski and Rex Road. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. A couple of old friends, favorites, Paul Kaharski of the Midday 180, PK.com, or PaulKaharski.com. We should direct people to the correct site. Joe Rexroad of 1025 The Game and The Athletic. Uh, multitaskers, both of you. Good morning, boys, or good afternoon, rather. How are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Doing, What's going on with Paul? Is he dead? You okay, Paul? He's frozen. <laughs> right out of the get. No, there he is. He's frozen. We thought somebody taxidermied you. You were stuck in one spot. <laughs> Petrified Paul. Internet. I was having internet problems on the show today, so it's going to carry over to your pod. Oh, so we're off. Fill in. Just fill in whenever I'm mid-sentence and I go frozen. However could we continue on without you? Now, we have a lot to discuss. The Titans' defense uh, finally helped cost them a game. Steven Goskowski misses a field goal at the end. They're 5-1, and one, and they've got a bunch of problems that we knew they had, but now we finally have to dissect them 
with great importance. We will also talk about staff reports and the, uh, the esteemed journalist will shame me and my outlet that I work for about what, uh, what we did over, I guess that would have been on Friday. Uh, but let's start with what has most recently happened, which was a Mike Vrabel post-game, I guess day after game press conference, where when asked about the defense that gave up 13 of 18 third downs to Ben Roethlisberger, which against Ben Roethlisberger perhaps is no great shame. Um, but I kind of <clears> – <throat> I don't know how to feel, Paul, about him saying when we asked them what changed between the first half where they gave up 27 points and the second half where they gave up none, he said nothing really changed. What am I to make of that? Well, I think we're over-crediting the second half. It doesn't matter if you play so much better in the second half when you've gone so far behind that it takes um, near miraculous things to get in position for a game-time field goal that you can't hit. So it didn't particularly matter that they, quote-unquote, played so much better in the second half when the game was practically out of reach and it took uh, miraculous stuff to get back in it. Uh, but yeah, it's weird that he says not much changed. So if, if not much changed, he's saying to me, he's saying we, the guys played a lot better, I guess, because that, then that answer is we didn't change much. We, the coaches didn't change much. Well, remind, remind me now, that was was that Stillman's question? I think it was, and it was about, didn't he actually ask about play calling? Am I correct, or am I, am I misremembering that? Oh, you, you can't ask Paul. His his name. You don't have to invoke his name just because you work at his station. Jared, J-A-R-E-D, Stillman. What's that? Is he your boss now? No, he's not my boss. He's my buddy. He's my buddy Jared, and I'm going to invoke his name whenever I like. And my I skin starts to sizzle every time you do. I don't know if you heard his intensive post-game interviews at a game he didn't attend, but uh, Ryan Tannehill was um, – it was a year since he was with the team after – what was it, the Buffalo game? Yeah, I did, really I did. Wanted, not game-related, but he really wanted everybody to celebrate that interview to uh, fluff up his quote-unquote show the next day. Uh, with a, I don't know if he played like happy anniversary music or, or what. But see see what you've done now. All because you brought up Stillman's name. Now this is like the start to the last time we did a podcast where Paul is just hammering us for questions that we didn't even bother to write down no, no, Gil I'm Beverly gonna, and Burke Knight. I'm going to drop a lot of random names of somebody, of people nobody cares about in the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, actually, I would prefer now Paul telling us about his awesome questions to Titans staffers. That would actually be amazing. Continue with uh, your point, Rex Rowe. Re relative to this. Yeah, so anyway, I think that was the question. Whoever asked the question, <laughs> I think it was about play calling. So I took it as nothing much changed on the play calling front because, I mean, this is one of the big things right now, right? Is it as simple as, hey, go beat your blocker or cover that guy or do like your job as a player? Or is this just this Dean P's void right now that is, you know, manifesting itself in these just terrible third down situations, just overall awful performance. I mean, 61% on third down is just, it's astounding to me at this point in a season. So, I, so that's, to me, that's sort of the, that's what we're trying to figure out, right? Maybe you guys haven't figured it out. I don't. I think a lot of it is just go do your job and you're, you're not able to beat your guy. But maybe there is something. Oh, I think there is something to 
missing DNPs and the whole picture being put together and the blitzes coming at the right time and, and you know, all that stuff that goes with a defensive coordinator. Oh, he froze. <laughs> no, you're there. Go ahead. You're fine. We're invoking Dean Pease's name a lot, and certainly uh, I, I think they're missing him. I think they're missing Kerry Combs a lot, too, and, and we haven't invoked his name uh, as much. But obviously the secondary is being asked to cover way too much. Um, they're doing it with insufficient people, and um, they're missing him as well. Uh, that's no necessarily indictment of Anthony Midget and Scott Booker, but Kerry Combs, uh, special coach who got a lot out of a lot of people in the secondary, and uh, we're, we're not seeing that right now either. The thing that kind of stands out to me in a way that I don't think we've really ever been able to accuse Mike Vrabel of is that I think they think what they're doing schematically is sound and that it's the players not performing up to the standard. I think when you throw Ty Smith out there to start, just in the effort to try and change something up from it being Jonathan Joseph on the outside across from Malcolm Butler, and then you yank him after a series, you make Chris Jackson active for this game after he's inactive for Houston, and he, I think, has outplayed Christian Fulton. The, the, the thing with Bates and, and Will Compton – where he's going to be Bates is going to be called up from the practice squad to the active roster, and they waived Compton to put him back on the practice squad. Now, I I don't understand why they continue to make these moves in a way that doesn't help anything from a football perspective when the scheme is really really reminiscent, and it's the same scheme he's run, run since he's been in Houston, and there are similarities to be drawn there no matter how many injuries they had that one year when Mike Rabel was the defensive coordinator. I think that it's almost a little bit Terry Robisky-esque, the way that – I mean, he's telling us that they don't, they're not doing anything differently, and it's just the players played better. Am I off base on that? Froze. <laughs> what happened to your audio? Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing him move now. <laughs> talk Is to me. Is my audio there? Yes, talk there we to go. me. There we go. The Bates-Compton thing is because you can only call a guy off the practice squad so many times. So they're just they're manipulating it to maximize how many times they can call a guy up off the practice squad. Um, I, I mean, I think they're limited personnel-wise. What do we want to see the scheme change? We want to see them blitz more. And by blitz, I mean, not, sometimes we're counting Vaccaro coming or Fulton coming as a blitz when it's still only a four-man rush. Um, so it's not a blitz. It's just a, a replacement of who's rushing. So if we want to see him blitz more, I mean, that sounds good, except I'm not convinced the blitz is getting home. And then you're leaving Jonathan Joseph or Ty Smith or Chris Jackson to cover in a way I, we're pretty sure they're not going to be able to cover. And so the chances of them getting burned deep are pretty good. The one thing that they've done reasonably well is prevent big plays and make people drive on them. And that's kind of one of their tenants on defense. And um, <clears throat> I tend to lean towards the player thing. When is Clowney going to beat somebody man up and, and harass a cornerback, a quarterback? When is Beasley going to do that? 22 and a half million for a couple of batted passes and a forced fumble you don't recover. Yeah. When is anybody outside of Jeffrey Simmons going to really do something? Jalen Brown finally had a good game. But defensively, nobody's playing particularly well. Vaccaro's probably the second best guy. But 
I mean, you have to scheme things up to a degree. They've schemed up pass pressure in the past. They're not doing it as well now, but I don't, I don't, I don't believe in these guys. They made bad personnel decisions on people who aren't playing well. So is it though, when you look at all the guys, like you said, I mean, I, like I look at a guy like Bayard, maybe Bayard's just in a bind because of how they're struggling elsewhere and he can't be the, you know, the playmaker he's been. But when you have this many guys who aren't playing up to what we think their level is, then I do look at, okay, what's the, the whole picture and how important was the whole picture before and what is not happening now? Maybe it is. Maybe it's straight up you not doing well enough, you, you, you. I think, I think it, it gets pretty simple up front, right? I mean, I, I think it gets pretty simple. Like, hey, they're, they're blocking Clowney with one guy. So makes it pretty easy. But when you have all these guys right now who seem to be, if not struggling, certainly not performing or playmaking at their normal level, that does make me think that there's something missing in the bigger picture. Also, there's, there's a lot of room for somebody to push, right? Where's the player development? What, what's Matt Dickerson doing on this roster for a third year? He hasn't done a damn thing. Isaiah Mack showing us anything? Uh, Derek Roberson can't even get active to, to come on the field. What do we think that's about, by the way? I mean, <clears throat> where, I'd give him a look, I'll tell you that. They don't, they don't even want a fourth outside linebacker on the roster. It's like a linchpin of their 48-man game day roster. Where's the development of, of anybody? Uh, Vrabel was developing. It felt like he was breaking through with guys and helping make them better. And all of a sudden, defensively, there, there's no development of these young guys at all. I, I think there's uh, – the Pittsburgh game is, is as good a sample size as we're going to get because they're probably the third best team in the AFC. Baltimore, you can, you can make him – The best team in the AFC right now. You think they're, the be you think they're better than Kansas City right now? Yeah. Well, I, I think you might be alone in that opinion, uh, just in terms of they have the best, you know, they have a fire-breathing dragon at quarterback and nobody can stop him. Um, but with Roethlisberger, I mean, he's getting 2.02 seconds, Mike Herndon had the stat. Ben Roethlisberger is literally catching the ball, catching the snap, and throwing it. It's going to be almost impossible to generate pass rush that way. And we've seen games where they give up a ton of yardage and only give up 16 points, like in the Buffalo game, to where you say, okay, you feel a little better about what they're doing in the red zone. So it's flawed, and they have problems, and it costs them, as we thought it would eventually. But some of these things, in the way that offenses in 2020 are being run, it's a little bit unavoidable. Now, when you look at what they can do moving forward, the Roberson thing I don't, I don't get why you couldn't at least have somebody. And, and it's the same with Correa. Like, they can't, they don't trust them enough to spell, even for 10 snaps a game, Vic Beasley or Jadavion Clowney or Harold Landry. When Landry he started I Correa see, the whole postseason. He started next to Landry the entire playoffs and played well. And I he see nothing out of him. He got better at the end of the season. He got better. Who else got better? David Long got better at the end of last season. Right. He was just benched. He could be benched again now with Compton and, and, uh, and uh, who Bates, Compton and Bates in line to play again. Sorry, see how easily I can forget about Bates. The disrespect, you couldn't help yourself. You, you did that on purpose. He's always top of mind for you, don't lie. 
lives in your head. Uh, well, the David Long thing, I, I'd, I'd done a little digging on it, and apparently, like they they wanted to make him inactive for the for the Pittsburgh game because I guess he had a bad missed tackle or a bad uh, whiff on special teams and as a as a way to like teach him a lesson or something ridiculous like that they made him inactive because yeah, they don't need fast linebackers to keep up with those fast receivers they all no they're they're very satisfied with the guys who could smack dudes on special teams and not play defense who by the way both missed if i'm not mistaken on the 57 yard punt return correct so with david long though like it doesn't sound like he handles the coaching well in a way where we all remember mike Vrabel's first year where he was really really hard on Jayon brown and we've talked one of the rare moments where we actually gained something i think of uh, of legitimate clarity in paul's opinion from Jayon brown press zooms you can't take what mike Vrabel and that coaching staff say to you personally all the time and it sounds like david long has not handled that kind of stuff well with but at, at a certain point though i don't know i don't know how they can continue to not play their players who have shown things previously and just think that it's the fault of the players rather than the coaching that's where i'm kind of hitting on with this robisky thing it's it's not a fair comparison because terry robisky i think resoundingly bad at his job but it's one of the things that mike vrabel i have found to this point to be best at is that he's willing to adapt and change his coaching style based on the guys that he's working with. And we're seeing a little bit of a rut right now. I mean, what if, uh, you know, what if Clowney's, if the, if what looked like a disastrous knee injury at least keeps him out for the rest of that game. So it's Vic Beasley, every snap, the rest of the game, you know, Vic Beasley, who took what 30? 30. Did you guys, did you guys notice him on any of the 30? No. Just the, the, the one, know. the one forced fumble that they didn't he, get. He, he forced a fumble that I found out after the play. He forced the fumble. Yeah, I mean, but but that's I don't understand it. I don't understand the three linebacker thing, and I don't understand. I mean, Roberson had three sacks in three games last year. He looks like certainly a a pass a DPR guy, right? But man, at least a body to have out there. And and gosh, they sure could use a any PR kind of guy right now to give you any kind of rush on the outside. Before we move on to the to the the trade Twitter that's just absolutely making us all miserable right now, what what are we to make of Harold Landry? Uh, I guess I guess that's the question. What what do you make of Harold Landry? I think he's made to look better by Clowney and Beasley. Um, he's kind of like Derek Morgan in terms of getting close but no cigar. Uh, it plays with great effort, at least unlike those other two guys, but. He's got to get there more. And look, the ball out quick, they, they're doing a good job of, of tipping passes and being of influence. But, you know, not a Roethlisberger drop back sometimes. I mean, the ball's out very quickly a lot of times. But when it's not out quickly, you, you, you've got to do some things more than they're doing. And collectively, they're not doing a lot. Landry's the best of the three. There, there's no big award right there. Yeah, he plays hard and he looks like it's it's – like, you know, he's talked a lot about developing counter moves and stuff like that, but I don't see a lot of that, or at least I don't see it having success. But, I mean, yeah, he's out there playing hard. And to your point there, Paul, see, this is where, you know, he's getting the ball out quickly. He tried to he, – he threw downfield twice, and it was picked both times. And so, to me, maybe you change some things up so the 
the quick hitters aren't there as readily as they were Sunday. I know it's easy for me to say that. You know, sometimes it's like, look, you either you cover the guy or you don't. But it felt to me like sometimes it was a little bit too soft, a little bit too easy for a guy who was almost exclusively going underneath. Yeah, but see, the, I, I agree with you. But I think anything that takes away quick or short stuff increases the risk of big stuff. And their number one thing is don't give up big stuff. Everybody says, well, why is Jonathan Joseph playing eight yards off? Jonathan Joseph's playing eight yards off because he's scared shitless of getting beat over the top. Everybody, A, he's scared of getting beat over the top because he's slow and he's a veteran savvy who wants to keep things in front of him. And B, their mantra is don't give up big chunks. And so they're going to give up that quick stuff to Deontay Johnson. And if he spins Amani Hooker around and goes into the end zone with it, so be it. At least it started in front of them. And that's the way they operate. All right. When they play Phillip Rivers, they, when they play Phillip Rivers, like make him throw one over the top on you, you know? <laughs> well, I think, you know, it works for teams like Buffalo because Josh Allen is worse right. short than he is deep, and they've, yes. they've built that offense around it. So you can do what you did to the Bills. But with, with quarterbacks like Roethlisberger, Mahomes is a different animal entirely because he can do pretty much everything well. But the rest of the AFC, I mean, Lamar, Lamar I think that that offense, it, it's stalling out a little bit in terms of what they're doing on the ground. It's still good, but it's not what it was – last year when it was the best uh when it was the best rushing attack in the league and, and Cleveland I think is an interesting proposition hell I'm not even I'm not even certain that Joe Burrow's not going to give him a hard time if he can if he can get rid of the ball without getting absolutely crushed because they if, if they can't have pass rush success this week uh, it, it ain't gonna happen but let's talk about let's talk about Gilmore Stefan Gilmore because it's uh Albert Breer is saying that they're shopping him New England given the way that the season's going, and you're going to see stuff start to circulate like this with the trade deadline coming down in less than two weeks. Is it feasible that they could trade for a guy who has, has this year will make $13 million? It'd be about $8 million in salary, just a little over what Stephon Gilmore would, Gilmore would make from a team that acquires his contract and $7 million next year given the guys that they may want to pay a Dory Jackson, Jonu Smith, Jayon Brown. And, and those, by the way, I think are looking – outside of Jonu, I think are looking less and less likely. What do you think, Rex? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't I – don't, I mean, look, to me, we haven't – the problem is we haven't seen them with we, – we haven't seen their full cornerback complement. We won't for a while. Uh, and, and good job on, on that, PK, on Fulton. You know, but that's – so whenever that happens, then I'd like, you know, I'd like to see what they look like back there. I just don't think cornerback is – I mean, look, the way that they are struggling to rush the passer, put anybody back there. And what are they going to do? Yeah, they'll do better. Like a Dory Jackson will do better than Jonathan Joseph? Absolutely. I just don't look at that as a need where you – first of all, I think they have about eight in space right now, so they'd be right up against it. Um, I just – to me, if they're going to do something, I'd – I'd try to bolster your tackle depth because you're one injury away there from possible disaster or, Hey, throw more, throw more something at another pass rusher and try to get every cast off pass rusher in the league until one of them works. Stefan Gilmore wants an extension. So uh, he's not going to come happy if he doesn't get that. Um, 
So, you know, I, I think that's probably unlikely based on you need to find the money this year to fit him. Then he's going to want an extension or be unhappy. Plus, Butler's probably done after this year contract-wise. Um, you're going to have to do a lot of cornerback work after this year. So if you had Gilmore and you wanted to extend him, but he's also 30, and how many, uh, you know, you're going to keep doing the older guy at, at corner thing. I, I, I agree with Joe. The pass rush is the biggest problem. Um, I don't know that you're finding a solution there either. Look, the Titans don't make deadline deals. They haven't. You know, it could be an exception here. I think it'd be more of a mid-level guy. Um, then you're going to have to wait six days for him to get in. And I don't think he's going to be an earth-shaking, team-saving thing. The, the roster composition for this team is done in the offseason. That's why Ty Sambrello, who started, what, the first five games of Denver's championship season at left tackle, was here. So that if something happened, you had the guy already. You didn't have to go find the guy. And, uh, you know, is it good enough? I don't, I don't know. Well, that's the thing. Lewis Riddick, I, I don't know how much of that uh, Chicago-LA game you guys watched last night. It was fairly unwatchable for the most part. But the Bears at 5-2 and two are just apps, I mean, just as fraudulent as it comes. But the thing that Lewis Riddick kept saying on the broadcast was that you know, this is who they're going to be on offense, which is their greatest problem. They're going to have to – they're going to have to play the definition of complementary football – for them to be able to win this game, win these games, because what you do to fix the offense is, as Paul's saying, it's done in the offseason. What the Titans could do to fix this defense, they tried doing with $22.5 million worth of pass rush from guys who can't seem to get home. This is kind of the defense that they're rocking with. And I think, I mean, we had Mike Keith, I filled in on 3HL last week, and Mike Keith, Team employee, fine, but what Mike said about Adoree Jackson and how everything shifts into a more natural role in that secondary when he's inserted back into the lineup, it makes a lot of sense. They obviously can't get much worse on third down, but to think that some immediate transaction, given everything, how hard it is to bring somebody in from the outside at this point, given everything with COVID-19, I just kind of think this is who they are, and this is how they've got to win within the margins with things like Mike Vrabel pulling out t plays or penalties that he won't admit that he's doing, but the Internet's figured out, and all of these other things that they're going to have to do to survive and advance in the AFC. Adoree restacks cornerbacks, except Fulton's out now, so you lose a top three guy again, so you're not restacked. And also, look, I, I think Adoree's the best cornerback on their team, but I, if you're looking for one guy to come in and save the defense, I don't know that Adore Jackson is one guy who's going to come in and save the defense. I think we'd all agree. If you have one guy to come in and save the defense, he'd be a guy that was regularly in the backfield. And Adore Jackson might blitz once or twice this season, but he's not going to regularly be in the backfield. Logan Ryan, great blitzer. Bring him back. <laughs> trade, trade for him. Kenny Vaccaro can blitz. Fulton's blitzed effectively. I don't, I don't know if they're blitzes because those guys might be the fourth guy coming sometime. And Dean Pease on the Midday 180s talked about that not necessarily qualifying as a blitz in terms of being extra. But they've got DBs that can go. Again, I think they're scared. To, I'd be scared. Leaves too much opportunity behind them. See, the Vaccaro thing, I think, works so well because Amani Hooker, Amani Hooker can play back there. He's, and the, the, the interception that he got off Roethlisberger at the end of the game was just Ben trying to force a pass. 
Uh, but in coverage, he has looked pretty solid. He's contributed much more than I think they would that anybody would anticipate a third safety from. So I do think that he gives you that flexibility with Vaccaro to bring more effective blitz packages or, as Paul's saying, a fourth rusher from an unexpected position. Put somebody fast on Hooker and he can't do anything. Deontay, Deontay Johnson caught a ball in front of him and made him look foolish running a circle around him. You can't have Hooker on, on, involved in coverage on a fast receiver at all. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, he's a safety. but he's, he's a, It's a nice depth piece. It's, they have good depth at that position. Yeah. Well, and you need the, the, the all-pro caliber player to look a little more like he has uh, has in years past. The, the Bayard thing, I, I, I have to think it's more of a product of, of what's failing around him. But some of the touchdowns that he's given up, um, it's just – it's not – maybe you notice it more because everything is bad at this point. And, and when he gives one up, then you're like, well, hell, we can't e they can't even catch a break uh, on the back end like that. Well, there's some bad angles he's taking. Sorry, Paul. There's some bad angles he's taking on plays that he's not used to having to even be involved in because of what's failing in front of him. But you still have to take a better angle to make the play. Yeah. Agreed. But he's being spread thin. He's, he's in a, a position he's never been in in terms of the things around him. All right. This has been very uh, super serious football conversation. And now I'm going to give both of you the opportunity to rip staff reports and what A to Z Sports collectively did on Friday with what was put out about Isaiah Wilson being late to a practice uh, due to what was confirmed to be headaches um, and the things which were just absolutely sideswiping of his character, one word quotes from two different sources about Isaiah Wilson being a disaster, lazy, and useless uh, reported by A to Z Sports. So we'll start with that. And we'll start with Joe, because I thought he handled it a little more diplomatically, shocking to nobody. Uh, but you guys both had issues with how that was put out, not necessarily with the information, but the way that it was put out to the public as a report. Joe, go ahead. Okay, well, if you're going to start with me, first, I'll, I'll start with, you know, first, I agree with Paul saying that you have to have a byline on that report. Uh, but, I mean, the thing that when I read that, I got angry because – I really have a problem with people taking shots at someone like that without putting their name on it. And I do have a problem with you guys going with it. Um, I mean, look, I, things have changed so much. And, and the thing is, it's changed for me too. I mean, I work at The Athletic. We do these GM confidentials uh, in, different, in the different leagues. We have GMs or, or scouts from various teams, and I've participated in those talking about other teams in their, in their division. Um, so we have a lot of opinion expressed anonymously. So, I mean, look, I, I'm being semi-hypocritical here in this, but I do think back to, like, in all the years, like, working in newspapers, if I took that story to an editor, I would have been laughed the hell out of the office uh, with that shit, you know? And I, I think that there's a news value in him missing practice, and, um, and the headache thing is fine. Uh, but to me, those sources, first of all, they're, they're cowards, okay? I don't care who they are. I, I hope they hear this. They're cowards. Also, if, those, if that's not Vrabel, Robinson, Amy Adams-Strunk, to me, you don't even think about using them. That's just my opinion on it. Go ahead, Chief. Just picking up on his main beat.
it's perfect. It really is perfect as the podcast rolls along. Paul, you froze. Your audio went down. Now you're back. Go ahead. Well, I can't hear him. I'm sure that they said lazy and useless in a sentence. So give me the sentence at least. Uh, I mean, did they get? Did you you call guys and they give you one word? Hey, what's what's up with Isaiah Isaiah Wilson? Lazy. I mean, if that's the extent of the phone conversation, then I I tend to go with Joe. The more pointed it is about an individual, the longer and more substantive I want the quote to be. But that that's not my main beef. My main beef is anonymous sources are a fact of life in our business. Anonymous authors are not. And it was weak. And I don't need to say much because you guys, and I don't believe it's you, you can fall on the sword, Buck, but you're not a boss or a co-owner over there. The letters behind you don't include a B. There's an A and a Z. Um, put your name on your work. Like, you don't put your name on your work, you're hiding from the implications. When you write a story like that, you have to the next day be there in front of the people the story's about so they could come over and bitch you out if they want. If your name's not on the story, they don't know who to bitch out. Right. Uh, so, well, because well, I all of those things are fair. And listen, I was a part of the meeting before they hit publish on that story. And I said, you know, if, if this is what we're going to roll with, this is what we're going to do. And, and I, you, they wanted to put, they wanted to make it a staff report because it was their sources. But because I'm the A to Z sports Titans reporter, that's naturally going to come back on me. Now, what, what we will do collectively moving forward is put everybody at the bottom of that report that contributed in that report. That was a well-made thing a well-made step forward, but put the names at the top. That's where people look for the names at the top. Not well, that's it. That's an internet thing. You know, it's either it's, it's one, the other or staff. Like that's just kind of, <laughs> that's kind of the way that this is. The solution is you fix the byline thing. You don't let the, 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 you don't let your program dictate where the bylines go. You dictate where the bylines go to your program. Well, I'll, I'll, well, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know how the back end of the website works other than like those are the options that you can select. You go to your web designer and you say, I need there to be a possibility of there being three names here because I run a news site and we put three names sometimes <laughs> on a story that has three authors. Now, I think that the, if, if A or Z was here to object amongst themselves, uh, for themselves, they would say, well, your points were well made. They made the correction that you pointed out after the fact. The way that you kind of flexed as if you're not the, the way that you didn't at them at them first, and the reason behind it, which I understand, was you don't want to give what you deem to be an uh, a report of ill repute additional clicks or follows. I think diminishes what A to Z Sports has tried to build. Which you guys can correct me if you feel differently, but a reputable news resource and content resource for people here in Nashville. That I think was the primary objection from whomever was fighting back with you on the A to Z site. And I, I'm sorry, I zoned out. I didn't zone out, my internet went out. Give me the quick summary. I don't, I don't add reports that I don't wanna lend wind to. That's my standard. Which is the summary, but then, you know, to kind of, I think, I think it was, they felt it was disparaging to the brand of A to Z sports, which it if you disparaging, I didn't care for the report. So I've got 95,000 Twitter followers who I don't want to encourage to go look at the report I'm being critical of. So I understand. That's the way I operate. I'm con <laughs> <laughs> uh.
Uh, he's and he's really making a point now too. You can oh, I know. It. He's just going on and on and on. God love you. It's it's got to be so hard with these internet struggles for him. And now he's frozen. Uh, I I we we both understand the point that he's trying to make though. And now he's back. Um, it's okay, buddy. We're we're gonna get you through this no matter what. I'll send you. I'll send. I'll send you one of these high tech A to Z sports routers, and we'll keep you up I and running. Off, I turned off everything that draws on the internet in my house. Every <laughs> iPad is on airplane mode. Everything. You know what? You know what you do about that. You call the person who supports your uh, your in your devices, and you say you make sure that I can get through a podcast, and then I'll work on the byline issue hey, as well. Hey, I talk to Comcast too often, um, too often. Right. So the the disparagement, I think, of the brand was the biggest issue from the company's perspective. If, if the brand does something that I disagree with. At the same way that I'll tweet about Comcast sucking for my internet today, I, I don't understand. Like, did I not meet the level of politeness that they require if I have an objection to the way they're operating? Oh, no, it's just, listen, I, 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 I feel a certain way about you because you're my friend, and I, and I dismiss those things as that's just the way that you're going to handle it. And it doesn't, I don't take that kind of stuff personally. The other two do, and that's fine. That's who they are. They don't have the relationship that I have with you. It's not personal. It's about the report. I think the site is a good site. I respect what they've grown out of, out of nothing. I've said that publicly as well. On this report, I had a strong feeling about the thing. In this town, nobody polices shit like that. Quite frankly, I think they had a report that they didn't know how to handle. Which I think, which you know, by the way. knows how to handle it? I do. No, but by the, by the way, I think that's fair. Because there's there's stuff like this is the first year that I've really gotten into the news the news cycle with the with the 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 breaking of stories and things like that and I have admitted to not knowing how to handle everything because that's that's really not what my training has been so I do think there's a degree of that and that point is well taken now the Rex with the with the quotes and the the the, the liter I mean it was a character assassination that that these people who who were talking to A to Z Sports gave out like that's what it felt like to me and that was the most regrettable part of it to me that we it, it made us feel it made me feel like we would be willing to publish anything no matter the 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 relevance of the source where it's coming from what because it was from inside the building but it's not any of the three people that you just named so with that they were they're one-word communications because it's text message as opposed to a phone call, and that's what—that's the way that the quotes are being distributed. That doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it wrong. That's the situation that we find ourselves in. I didn't I mean, feel great about it after the fact, but this is all done in retrospect. I was a part of that meeting, and I gave the go-ahead just like the other two did. Go ahead. Yeah. So again, like, and this is here's the thing: is I mean, I'm I'm talking about this a couple months after I did a thing about Vanderbilt, and I used a lot of people that had been laid off from Vanderbilt and other people around Vanderbilt um, commenting on Vanderbilt, you know, now I did say to all of them, like the point here is not just to rip the crap out of you. Like we're trying to get like, what's your actual opinion of this, this person, this, whatever, you know, this isn't just for you to tee off. It's for you to give an honest assessment of things in this kind of unique situation. But look, if I do that, I can't sit here and, and act all high and mighty on this, but I don't know, PK, you tell me, I mean, throughout your career, you, you've done, cause I've, we've all used anonymous sources and I, 
for a lot of time, a lot of years, it was if you have a source who has news that you can only break that news with the usage of the source, then you use the source. And we're not sitting here asking their opinion to this person, that person. I mean, that was a total no-no most of the most of my career. So you tell me, Paul, is it has it been different for you? Because I mean, that that it, it struck me here because I just thought it was cheap shot bullshit and not where you use an anonymous source. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> All right, I think you're with us. Go. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think the question was uh, versus news is news versus opinion. Yes, and, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'd be comfortable going to a, a source like uh, somebody somewhere else in the league for an opinion on, you know, what the Titans are doing defensively and why that isn't working. Um, you know, uh, Mike Sando, I think at, at the Athletic, who's a colleague of mine at ESPN, who's a friend of mine, I think he does a lot of that. Yes, yes. And I think there's a, a a victim, so to speak, of that. And that's insight. So, opinion that's insight is is one kind of thing. Opinion about a person, I think it's a case by case basis. But yes, more obviously, you would use those for news. And I would say here in an age where we have more open conversations, I would say Buck said too much here about who it isn't. You said too much already about your Vandy story, which still exists. I don't talk about any of this, who it is or who it isn't stuff. It reveals- I said I said it in the story, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. I don't think you should say it in the story. I, I think you gotta keep it as vague as possible so that it gives nobody any chance. People think they know who sources are. Generally, it's not who those people think they are, but when right. you have conversations like this and you allow for any chipping away or narrowing it, it does a disservice to the people who are actually the source. No, and I, th and I think that's, that's, that's a point well made. All of this is changing around us like on a daily basis, it seems, with the standards of who is reporting what, what is actually credible reporting as opposed to just internet blog site, which we've had to, which we as a company has ha have had to fight against in trying to make ourselves credible and not just be, you know, a Music City Miracles or whatever the case may be. Like that's something that at least over the last year of me working here, I've tried very hard to change. But I do think that the standards for such thing, right, for such things, rightly or wrongly, are changing so much so that the justification is a little easier to make when we don't have editors, when it's just, there's, there's, there's 16 people total that work for A to Z Sports Nashville. There's two that work for A to Z Sports Dallas now. Between the 16 people, the three of us are in charge, Austin, Zach, and myself are in charge of decisions like that, even though I have no ownership stake in the company. When there is no, when there is no, uh, no backstop outside of the three of us, then stuff is more likely to make it out into the news cycle because we don't, you know, Joe, I don't have an editor to go to. I have me, you know, like if, it, if, if I, if in the moment I deem that this is what I'm going with and this is going to be okay, then that's how a lot of this stuff is getting done now, right, wrong or indifferent. It's just kind of the nature of the business and whether, how I feel about it or not. And I come from a much different background than you two do. And I still have feelings about 
you know, the state of journalism and the state of reporting. And here we're getting super self-involved in a way that I heard Paul bitching about with there's too many, there's too many self-reflective media podcasts out in the market right now. But still, I just, I don't know where the balance, I don't know where the balance is anymore. I, I think that that's fair, Joe. I, I, I've come to Joe once or twice as a colleague and said, hey, what do you think about, I can't think of specific examples, but don't, don't you remember I've asked you once or twice, hey, right. what do you think? Called him. And yeah. me making a phone call is a big deal. I text everything. No, you, I, I, I always consider it a great honor when you call me to bounce stuff off of me. But because I'm a one-man shop, I've called people I respect, Joe uh, Glennon occasionally, uh, or, or former ESPN colleagues and said, what do you think about I might have done that with the pictures from uh, from the the workout at NBA with somebody and said, "Look, I'm not basing the story on the pictures. I'm making it clear in the story that they're supplemental, but I know people are going to get carried away with them. But I still think they're significant. What do you think?" And had one or two people say, "Yeah, I'd use them the same way you're thinking about using them." But it is kind of with no safety net. Uh, you ask a favor. I, I anyway feel compelled, like once in a while, where I'm at a moment where I'm. A lot of times I'm plenty sure. I have no hesitation. Other times, though, if I have somebody like Joe, who I know has got the professional background similar to mine in the same sensibility, I wouldn't hesitate in confidence to reach out to him and, and ask him what he thinks. So, Buck, the thing with you guys is here's the, here's the good thing is we're bitching about your sources and your byline and uh, the actual quotes you use. I mean, the thing is, I mean, there, there's some legitimacy in that. Like, not one time – did I consider, you know, because a lot of people say, oh, what is this? Oh, this made up crap, right? I mean, look, I know that you guys work hard. You you, you asked earlier about carving out a, uh, you know, a niche and everything. You guys have done a great job with that. Um, and and so, I'm, I don't want this to make, I don't want it to, I'm not like out of here fishing for compliments. For no, anything. I understand, but I'm just saying like, you know. I just didn't just like, it, I didn't like the way that people questioned. It felt like maybe me individually, because I have an ego about this stuff, but I don't like, I got I felt like I was being questioned about the validity of what it is that we put out there when I really, I really, really do try if I'm going to put something out there. And again, this is new, new ground for me this year. Um, but I do try and make sure and damn sure if I'm going to put my name on it, and this one, you know, didn't have my name on it till later, but <laughs> that it's going to be, it's going to be right. Damn it. Yeah. Well, you, and your instincts were right. And I wish that you guys would have, cause you were right with your instinct that it just feels like, whatever, character assassination, I, you know. So well, you had the right sensibility. I think, I hope it was clear what I did, that I wasn't, I, none of it was questioning the report. And B, like you had the safety in putting it out that it's no secret really that Isaiah Wilson's lazy and useless. Uh, you know, this wasn't a contrary report. It was a con confirming report. Right. That's... Uh, so has has this been self-involved with a report that said Isaiah Wilson is a joy and he's busting his ass? Now that would have been a controversy. Yeah, no, we nothing nothing like that to report uh, quite yet through the uh, through the brief tenure of Isaiah Wilson. Uh, but you know, if you could put together more than a Friday practice, Chief, maybe uh, maybe you get out there and you see some positive stuff. Has this been has this been self-involved enough for everybody? We didn't do it on the front end like we usually do. I think this was this was more interesting. People are a little bit curious about how the, the sauce is made, but uh, I, like I think lamestream sports are going to run out of material. I told Braden and, and Cavendish that when I did their episode, like six episodes in, who who are they going to have? 
Well, yeah, that's and we'll and we'll end it on this because I, you know, this is just kind of an interesting. Maybe maybe now it's too interesting to the three of us and not interesting to anybody else. But like, do you think that as because we're we're as much personalities as we are journalists, reporters, whatever you want to call us at this point, and I think the lines have been blurred very much between what is a journalist and what is not a journalist. Do you think that we are becoming too much a part of the story as people who also report on the news? It's a good question. Uh, probably, but I, I'm okay with it. I think, I think people actually I learned this even doing a blog. Okay. The, the cutting edge blog of the like early two thousands. I, I think that readers actually do find interest in the sausage making process to some extent. But I think there is a balance there. And yes, it's very easy for all of us to get too self-involved. And uh, I mean, I'll just speak for myself on that, you know, absolute blazing narcissist. So, you know, I, I, uh, it's, it's, very, uh, it's very easy to get too caught up in that. But honestly, I, I've found that people have actually really appreciated that at times over the years, talking about the process, because there is a lot of misunderstanding of how we go about doing these things and the discussions. I also think this is why it's good to have pe people talking to each other like this to maintain some kind of standard because a lot of things have eroded with the way things have changed in media. Ship has sailed in terms of our personalities being part of the whole deal. Um, it, it's stunning though how many people think some of this stuff is, is made up or comes out. Fake news, Paul. Fake news. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't know that we can't hear them. I feel like whenever he's making like a real point that I'm really interested in hearing is when he gets cut off. <laughs> but see, now, now, so, hello. All right, Paul. come on, Go do ahead. it again. Go ahead, do, do it, it again. again. Do it again. I think the ship has sailed in terms of us, uh, our personalities being combined with the work. But that doesn't mean that I don't still want to bang the podium on the legitimacy of the work. It doesn't mean we're going out and making up sources. Um, it, it doesn't mean there's some vendetta or agenda or I'm out to get the Titans when I find out about a workout at NBA. What a snitch you are. That was a factor. In How dare story. you. And so I don't understand that. But also, look, the, the business end of it dictates that I be on the radio and have a website, that Joe now has a radio show and The Athletic, that Buck's company is, uh, has him writing and doing this podcast and doing a nightly show. And the people who are best at this are best on multiple platforms and the multiple platforms lend themselves to people who have big personality. Yeah. Like the three of us. <laughs> who's, who's the biggest narcissist? Who's the biggest narcissist in the room? Yeah, me. <laughs> I, do, do we have consensus? Well, you'll be hot on my tail. You're just young still. <laughs> Listen, I, uh, I, 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 I'm good at the self-promotion part of it. That, that, that much I'll admit to. I'm a sneaky douchebag narcissist, I got to tell you. Uh, you're not as sneaky as you think you are. It's it's pretty. It's, pretty <laughs> it's kind of it's more blatant than I think. No, he's sneaky <laughs> on the public part of it. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, likable, relatable Joe Rex Road, gout and all. Hey, this guy. <laughs> I have the problems. I have gout. Well, I know. I and then leave, I'm just like this behind the scenes. I leave my show to go to to Zooms, and that's somewhat of a federal issue to some people. <laughs> uh, 
Joe, I'm sure, is doing the same thing, and I haven't heard a peep about it. Oh, now, now we can really get into the heat. No, I, I'm, I'm saying I'm crediting you. I'm, I'm crediting you that you can probably sneak out of your show to go listen to Art and Shane do their press conferences, and I, I don't. Hear I got about you. It. No, well, you, I do it. It's a thing. No, you know, actually, I, I do it right in the studio. And while I like, you know, obviously not, we, we play it live. And actually I've asked a question in that way too, like with the microphone and everything and asked a question, a little weird, but yeah, just stay in there. You guys are awfully thin. If you're playing art and Shane live. Gotta <laughs> get it's, some shots in, baby. It just, it could, it, get it, some shots in. We almost made it through a full podcast without a <laughs> shot at Joe's place of employment and at his gout. Truth hurts. Joe's show is good. But it's not as good as I thought if they're playing Art and Shane. <laughs> I, I missed the shot at my gout. Did he take a shot at my gout? No, I did. I oh. couldn't. Oh, okay. I Your couldn't. gout is one of the most fascinating media stories in Nashville. <laughs> the next investigative reporting I do, it's just going to be one-word responses about Joe's gout and how Let's just ungodly it is. Just on the gout, and he could put his foot up, you know, like this. It's it's an off-season project. I'll recruit a doctor, a foot specialist, and we'll go from there. This is what we'll do in the off-season. A jar of mead and some raw red meat some pork. and some beer. I can get I can get you guys the gout, too. I can get you here. I don't want the gout. Not for another 20 years, baby. I'm, I'm living on borrowed time at this point. It's a long I'm way away. I'm the oldest here, and I've never had anything close to gout. Oh, see, none of us would have known that by your personality. Paul Kaharski. An elite – an elite of, athlete, too. Of the Midday 180, com, The Elsewhere podcast, as he freezes up appropriately for us to put a bow on this show. Joe Rexroad of Robbie and Rexroad or Rexroad and Robbie? Robbie and Rexroad. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie and Stanley. Robbie. <laughs> Robbie and Robbie. And Art Smith and Shane Bowen from time to time on That's 1025 right. The Game and The Athletic Boys. It was fun as always. We did better than last time. We killed. This was actually a listenable podcast. Good job, guys. <laughs> All right. Shouts to our aging gas bag friends, Kaharski and Rex Road, for their time today. We got five good minutes on Halloween because it is indeed Halloween week, you know, pandemic notwithstanding. I don't know how many people are actually doing Halloween this year for better or for worse, but that's going to be in just a second right after I tell you about the folks who present our Zoom line that is the great people and the great products at Tame the Beast. You go to GetBeast.com, you save yourself 20% off on all of their great grooming products with the promo code BEAST2020. John Cascarano, who, with Jay Wilkerson, founded Beast Brands, a great local company here in Middle Tennessee that is providing a wide array of grooming products for beasts of all kinds. They have since... As a third member of Team Beast, added Kelly O'Hara, a two-time World Cup champion and gold medalist. She serves as the VP of Brand Engagement and Product Strategy to make sure that the Beast Brands is an all-encompassing experience. They have great products such as sandpaper, scrub bar soap, exfoliating face wash, tingle shampoo that has actual caffeine in it. It's a hell of a wake-up. I can attest to that myself. Save some cash, groom boldly, use good stuff from the earth that's good for your skin, your scalp, and everything in between, and that promo code BEAST2020 at GetBeast.com. All right, five good minutes on Halloween, because <laughs> it is Halloween week, 
as I mentioned before. I know our friends from Bussin' with the Boys, Will Compton and Taylor Lewan, while their employment status may be on rocky ground, their celebration of Spooktober, as it's known, is continually ongoing. They have been running podcasts once a week, every week, for during this month of October that were taped back in July, and it's it's a phenomenon that I God I hate to be the get off my lawn guy, but I just don't get it. I don't understand. I've never understood the concept of watching movies that are designed to scare the living shit out of you. I just I can't bring myself to do it. And you'll call me a pansy. You can call me whatever you want. I just don't feel the need to put myself in that kind of position. I've been sheltered, obviously, for those of you who listen to my listen to this podcast and and have gotten to know me. Over the years, I have lived an incredibly sheltered life, and my entertainment experience, maybe it's not sheltered, but it is self-sheltering from all of these terrible Halloween movies that exist. I just don't understand the need to self-inflict that kind of angst, but I'm already an incredibly anxious creature, as it is. And then there are the practices of Halloween. I am fine, not that anybody cares whether I'm fine with it or not, but I am fine with the, with the costume parties, maybe not this year, obviously not this year because of everything that's going on with COVID-19, and the trick-or-treating, I participated in it as a young buck. I do not participate in it as a 27-year-old buck with his own house. I do not put candy out. I do not turn the lights on downstairs. I just don't want people I don't know in masks, well, maybe not masks nowadays, but in costumes, dressed up like horrific things, coming to my door and then feeling the need to serve them candy. I just, I don't get it. The whole thing has been utterly preposterous to me ever since I became, you know, an actual person who thinks rationally about these things. Now, this is not meant to completely and utter utterly diminish the joy of Lawan, Compton, or anyone else who would choose to celebrate safely this year, Spooktober. That is not my goal. But for my part, my, fi- my Halloween evening, because I think it's on a Saturday this year as we tape this podcast Tuesday afternoon, it is on a Saturday this year. I will be locked away in the second floor of my home. I will leave all of the lights off in the house. I will not come downstairs no matter how no matter how many different people ring my doorbell. Uh, I'm sorry, children of North Nashville. I simply cannot be there to satisfy your sugary needs. It just won't be me. It wouldn't be me. It would never be me in this regard. I don't I don't want to leave the bowl out for all these germy little people to be digging through and then infect my house. I just I can't get myself to commit. Five good minutes. Here on Halloween, because we won't have the chance. Obviously, we're going to have a Thursday podcast in between, but we save that for mailback questions. And I had to get this off my chest. I cannot stand Halloween and everything that comes along with it. I won't even let my girlfriend put a pumpkin on my front porch. All of it be damned. I've got enough black cats roaming around in North Nashville that there's bad luck enough to go around. But everything else can go straight to hell along with the holiday itself. That's five good minutes here on a Tuesday. We will be back with you with former Titans wide receiver, all pro kick returner, Mark Mariani on Thursday. We'll have a couple of other guests as well as we prepare for the Titans 
and their trip to Cincinnati. The Vols obviously have a bye, so we will lay low in the meantime. Although, I have to at some point address the stupidity that Jeremy Pruitt was preaching uh, about after that Alabama game because all, all, I, all I, I heard the words in Jeremy Pruitt's tones, but I could only see Butch Jones while he was saying it, and that gave me deep, deep concerns for your all's sake, not for mine. I mean, the Butch Jones experience was hugely comedic, and I would live it again 10 times out of 10. Regardless, we'll be back with you on Thursday. Support the people that support this show. That's Two Rivers Ford and Tame the Beast. So as always, on the way out the door, I need you to stay safe, stay clean, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions Podcast, the award-winning 615 Sessions Podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>